How you feeling? How you living? How you doing? We are getting ready for the NFL playoffs, and there's only two people that I want to be talking to to savor in this moment. David Ingber, a man of many plaid shirts, and Brian Westbrook, a man of many touchdowns. Ingber, I'm going to give you the first word. Uh, as a longtime Eagles fan, what do you say to the good people of Philadelphia right now? I say that we're in first place. Three, five, and one is cooking with gas. I think that, you know, the old five, ten, and one division leader getting that home game in the, like, let's just wait till playoffs time. We got to win two or three more games over the course of this season to take this division, and we got this. Fly, Eagles, fly. That's what we say. Westbrook, has that sounded like any Philadelphia fan you've ever heard in your entire life? I, I've never I've heard, never of heard an fan. Eagles fan say any of those words before. That was no, that no, was no. truly, <laughs> especially not after losing to the Giants of all people. I mean, of course, Dallas. You, you hate losing to them, but you never want to lose to the Giants, David. You, you need to you step your game up. Westbrook, you put a video out on Instagram yesterday. I didn't watch the whole thing, but you said here are the five things the Eagles have to do to win. Did they do yeah. any of the five? No, no. Commit to the run. I think the one, the, the one, the one thing of those five things that they did, and I appreciate your uh, support when watching that video. I watch all your videos that I see on Instagram. As soon as it pops up, it says Adam Lefko. I say I gotta watch this because that's my boy. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. I appreciate. I think that. Um, it's important. For the one thing that they did do that um, was in the five keys to victory was not turn the ball over. They did do that. Uh, they got no explosive play, so that's. To me, to me, it was what every Eagles-Giants game was recently, where the Eagles start out flat, the Giants build a lead, the Eagles start coming back. The only difference mm-hmm. is this time, on the really big throw, their guy caught it. Slayton caught it, where last time Ingram dropped it. And this is, this is why, as a Chiefs fan, I listen to everything that Ingber says, and I laugh, and I go, this is all futile. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just not good. Just not good, Westbrook. Just not good. No, Philadelphia is not good. I mean, they're questioning. We talk about people in Philadelphia. They're questioning the coaches, and I'm talking about every single coach, offensive, defensive coach. Um, they're questioning every single player. They're questioning moves like bringing Alshon Jeffrey back and starting him. They're questioning mm. moves like getting rid, of, getting rid of Malcolm Jenkins. That came up this morning as well. Mm. Um, so many questions. And, and, and here's the other thing. I was listening to people this morning go back to 2017 and say, you know what? They were lucky to win the Super Bowl. They were lucky to get into the playoffs with a backup quarterback and lucky to get that win against Atlanta because it was cold and wet outside. And, the and ball bounced lucky off to beat. Keanu Neal's knee. Absolutely, into, yeah. yeah. They were lucky to play the Vikings because the Vikings celebrated that win that they had the week before yeah. like it was a Super Bowl and then had to come and play Philadelphia. They weren't ready. And so everyone in Philadelphia is questioning everything about this football team, and deservingly so. They looked terrible yesterday. Why and is Ingber smiling so fucking much during I, all of this? It he's just, not a, he's it not just a real dawned fan. on me that I'm now an Eagles fan in the exact same way that my wife is a Patriots fan, where when mm. I tell her that the Patriots won, she goes, yay, and she has a fun time, and we get to have a celebration <laughs> about it. And if they lose, I don't even have to tell her anything, and she doesn't care because it doesn't – like it. It doesn't face. I cannot recommend highly enough getting another team yes, in the other great. conference and declaring that as your team because you get to ride their victories and you just don't get hurt you're by not, their losses. You're completely That's unaffected true. by the losses. I, I would I would say this. I think that I'm experiencing something that Ingber has experienced from the other side also, which is 
The Patriots lose a coach. They go somewhere. The fan base realizes about seven games in, they're not the next Belichick. And then Ingber sits back there and goes, ha, 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 I have the real guy. <laughs> I am now on the other side where, like, I think I'm having that realization about Doug Peterson that he's not Andy Reid. And I think that you have to look at certain principles. Like I'm looking, I'll bring it up again. The Dolphins win another game. Brian Flores seems to have taken all the lessons from Bill Belichick. Defense, special teams. Block punt leads to a touchdown. Interception Mm -hmm. by Xavier Howard leads to a touchdown. They pull it out. Run game. Dolphins win. Wow, that's very Belichickian. What does Andy Reid do that is infamous other than uh, talk about food and everybody giggles? Win after a bye. Doug Peterson is now one in four after a bye. And the one game they won, they were losing to the Cowboys in the 2017 season, nine to three at halftime. And they went on to win 37 to nine. And nobody looked back at the fact that they started that first half flat as crap. I look at coaches in the NBA and coaches in the NFL. And I go, what do you do out of a stoppage? One of the reasons that I love the coach of the Boston Celtics is out of a timeout, they always get an easy basket. Always. When I look at the Eagles, when they're coming out of a bye, shit is a mess. And so I don't understand Belichick after a bye, John Harbaugh after a bye, uh, Andy Reid after a bye, Sean, like the, the best coaches do well after a bye. And that those are the moments where I really begin to question. Now you're one and four and maybe you should have been 0-5. Well, this is going to make you even more upset because last yeah. week during the bye, when we're talking about a team that's three, four, and one, he gave Carson Wentz this offense, this defense, the entire team off. Take some time to get yourself together. Mm. No, how about you do this, Doug? How about you get those guys in there and figure out what's going wrong? How about you do something different? How about you take the time and say, okay, Carson, you have not had any type of timing continuity with anybody, receivers, running back, anything. How about we just work on that? How, how you about got, you do the- let me let me guess. You got that time off in the midst of like the twelve and four season. You know what I mean? Like, were you getting that kind of time off when you guys were going back to back to back to back, and you were yeah. all and th- and and I feel well, like we, when we were losing, uh, Andy would have us there though. That that was the carrot. The carrot was mm-hmm. okay. If you lose this game right before the bye, you're absolutely coming in. But if you're not playing well before the bye, then we're still coming in because we got to get better for the stretch run. It's about winning like- the division. He feels like the CEO of a very successful company and now they're going through a hard time and he's still trying to run the company the same way. And you yeah. just can't. No, no. He, he's in trouble. I mean, you know, the players, I still think they play hard for him. They have not responded. And when you see a team come out flat against another team that they just barely beat a couple of weeks ago, mm. you're wondering what's going on. What's the reason? You guys had a whole week off. How could you be flat at this point? Here's the other thing you got to ask yourself. Doug, you took the entire week to go through self-scout, different things. And I hope that you added some special gadget plays, some plays that, that can give you that pop, that can get those plus 20 plays, those big, big plays. We saw nothing yesterday. I saw nothing new. I just saw, I saw, I just saw said, outside routes uh, where the guys are kind of open. And then I saw contested throws across the middle and Miles Sanders exceeding what he should have been doing. Well, listen, here's the other part. If you have a run game going, 
Um, just run the ball. How about that? Just just keep running it. Um, I don't care if you're down 14 to 3. You score a touchdown, you're down 10 the to 14. Eagles, the, the Eagles are better when they play when they play through their running game. They just are. Uh, they no, control no the flow of the game. Like their their first drive of the second half, it was gorgeous. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about it. They're certainly better when they go through the run game. And of course, they didn't come after the bye with any type of energy. The other thing that they did not come back with was any type of uh, discipline. 11 penalties. I mean, you can't win. I don't care what team you are. Even if you don't turn the ball over, like, even if you're playing another team that only has two wins, 11 penalties, that's undisciplined football. What have you been working on for the last week? What have you done to get better? And if you're telling me you're three and four and you've done nothing over the two-week bye period between games to get better, then, then we're wasting time. We're wasting time talking about this football team. That's not we a are, good we are, we are, we are. I, I literally, as we were going through this, I was like, why the fuck are we doing this to ourselves right now? This is doing nothing for anybody. But there's always that thing where I go, I'm known as an Eagles fan. Westbrook is a former Eagles great. We need to talk about it. Let's yeah. fucking move on. Because it's you're a trying waste to piss of me off today. That's what you're trying Congrat, to do. Congratulations to the Giants fans, Gabe especially. We go back and forth. I've shit on him for a long time, and he got a win, <laughs> and he should be happy because they're they're starting to look like something. Let's talk about the great. Well, before we before we get off the Giants, motherfucker, damn! I, I gotta ask you this because this is a belief of mine. I think Daniel Jones is getting better. Yes. I really, really do. Daniel I think he's Jones getting was better. Never bad. And I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I really do. As long as I mean, obviously the turnovers are a big issue, and beating the Eagles is nothing to brag about. But I think he's going to be a decent quarterback when it all shakes out. I would. Oh man, I almost said something crazy. I almost said that I'd rather have Daniel Jones than Carson Wentz, and it it like is that it like crazy for you? Up in my neck. Is that crazy for you right now? I mean, I I don't know. It says a, a lot more about yesterday. Carson Wentz than it does about Daniel Jones. And look, 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 I have always believed that Daniel Jones has potential. I have believed that now for the second year in a row, his offensive line has been completely decimated. Let me take that back, that first comment. I did not always believe in Daniel Jones since he's gotten to the Giants <laughs> and I've watched him. He's exceeded my expectations and I've had a little bit of believer. He doesn't have his best running back. His wide receivers are absolutely destroyed. Uh, he's got a, a his second offensive coordinator in two years. I think the jury is still out, but I already trust him when he's running. And I think that he has some deft touch at times, but I don't think we can actually evaluate Daniel Jones. I don't think we have enough on tape. Jim Swartz. Last thing I'm going to say about the Eagles, Jim Swartz. All right, let's listen up for a second. Daniel Jones ran for 80 yards and tripped over himself last game. Read option type of run option for the quarterback. This game, he actually ran for two touchdowns, one they called back. Oh, same yeah, same dog on play. play. Same the play. same play. You, what, are you, what did you work on? What are the things that you worked on well, in the bye well, week? Well, to me, this goes to, this goes to what you said in the beginning, and I fucking hate that we're back on this. When you lose Malcolm Jenkins, not only are you losing your smartest defender, you're losing the team or losing the team organizer and you're losing a linebacker safety hybrid that can set yeah. the edge. The eraser. And, and the the weakness of this Eagles defense is always the linebackers. There's yeah. a reason why Alex Singleton is making tackles 9 year, yards down the field. They don't have anyone to combat that. You know, it's they just don't have it. I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Something happened on Sunday that was incredible. Kyler Murray in the same spot 
in one of the most crushing losses in the history of the Arizona Cardinals franchise. A They lost to a double Hail Mary to Aaron Rodgers, a Hail Mary to get them to midfield, and then a Hail Mary to score a touchdown in the playoffs. Kyler Murray snatches victory from the grips of Josh Allen with a moon ball, and DeAndre Hopkins goes up not just on three defenders, three upper-tier Buffalo Bills super smart, super athletic defenders, and snatches and wins. And the, the Arizona Cardinals are now sharing the lead in the NFC West at 6-3. and three. There are moments that can define young careers. When Anthony Davis hit that shot, he said to himself, Kobe, because he knew in his head what he had done. When Devin Booker hit that three, you know, it's very interesting to me that I have said for a while that the two athletes in the NBA and the NFL that remind myself the most of each other are Kyler Murray and Devin Booker. And I find it ironic that both of them are in Arizona. Everyone looks around them and goes, man, there's just something about that young guy. They got something. And both of them now have made a play with three guys around them to win a huge game that gets everyone excited. The difference is that Devin Booker didn't get to play in the bubble playoffs and Kyler Murray is looking for the playoffs. Um, I, my excitement could not be higher for these two. When I watched that game, you know, first of all, I thought Josh Allen played well enough to win. Obviously, the two interceptions were huge. I mean, there was some great defensive plays uh, in, in the that Larry game. Fitzgerald crazy interception where it, yeah. he didn't – like, Larry's so good that he caused the interception, and then Josh drove down and got the seemingly the win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kenyon Drake looked good running the football. Um, but when you talk about game. Kyler Murray, I mean, it, 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 the level of difficulty of that throw – I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that can throw it that far. We understand that. But there's just not a lot of quarterbacks in the league – that can roll out to your left, flip your hips while getting about to get smashed in the mouth by defenders and get it that deep. And, I mean, the level of difficulty there was huge. Um, but when you talk about DeAndre Hopkins and his ability to run 50, 60 yards and then just out-jump three people. Now, Jordan Poirier, yeah, you probably shouldn't knock off White. You shouldn't beat up your own guys. If you're going to hit somebody, beat – uh, the, the opposing team, yeah. but when you talk about the catch, it's amazing because there's no way he saw the ball. There's when you're up that high and you're looking, you could you're you're looking through other people's arms and hands and helmets. How, how do you is, see the ball? Well, this is where you're wrong. Listen, as somebody with height, it's a lot less arms and hands. Well, no. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins is taller than all of those guys. That needs to be said. But, but so what I mean, I'm saying is, if my eyes. As somebody with height, I'm I'm not trying to be an asshole. My height, my eyes are over your shoulders. You're here. You got and where are my arms at? You have to look through my arms and my hands. For, for someone that has jumped chest. to do things before, I would know. I actually I know how to jump. I jump. You haven't jumped before. I have wow. to when you jump up and looking. You have to go through their arms and hands. I mean, it was it was a great crash. There's no other way to look uh, to get around it. Great throw, great catch, and. For Josh Allen to drive down, to hit digs against Patrick Peterson, who got beat a couple times yesterday yes, when I did. watched the game. I mean, he got beat a man, man to man a couple that times. Diggs winning touchdown. Peterson was on the bench with his head in his Great. Hands. Yeah, great play. I mean, Cole he Beasley came the put him through the blender. Cole Beasley looked like a little Amendola out there 
just making is, people miss is moving Troy, around. Is Troy Aikman, he might be just a Cowboys homer, but he always has really hot wide receiver takes. Remember, he was the one that said Robert Woods is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And then a few weeks ago, he said Cole Beasley. He said on Thursday Night Football, he goes, Cole Beasley is unguardable one-on-one. And I remember being like, what is being said? But I don't. I think Troy Aikman just might have the most fire wide receiver takes on planet Earth. Cole Beasley had a great game. I mean, he's great in the slot. When he's healthy, he'll make people miss. And it's hard for taller cornerbacks because he's so small to be able to guard him. So uh, short space quickness. He has that. Great job yesterday. Speaking of jumping, and I want to get back to Kyler for one second, though, but Miles Sanders jumped over somebody yesterday. DeAndre Swift jumped over somebody yesterday. And then I was thinking, has Brian Westbrook ever jumped over somebody? I, you're talking about, I've, obviously, I've jumped over the top, like the goal line type of situation, but jumped over someone like those guys, hurdles, like Lee? No. Like hurdles. No, no, no. Have you and ever the one time I tried it? to jump over somebody, I tried to jump over actually one of the guys on my team, Trey Thomas, landed on his doggone leg, high ankle sprain. So, I, I, I mean, I, I would advise none of those guys to hurdle. But here's the other thing, and this is what I was thinking about for Miles Sanders. That ball is loose a lot. I mean, he has the ball way out here. Not LaShawn McCoy loose, but he has it way out there. And I was asking one of my buddies from Penn State, did he have fumbling problems in college? He was like, yeah, he had big-time issues fumbling football. When you're you're hurdling guys, Swift Mm -hmm. and Sanders, you got to make sure you hold on to that ball. Bring that ball back into your body. And when it's away, then, I mean, obviously, that's what defenses are are, are teaching now. Punch the ball. Punch the ball. You see that all the time. Be careful with the football. I, the Bills, though, I mean, the Bills were the Bills were one Hail Mary away from being eight and two and being like in a real, real race right now for one of those top seeds. Um, Pittsburgh stays undefeated. Your Pittsburgh Steelers, they now move to nine and oh, I found it. I don't know. I found it very weird that every time I looked at that game, they're up 25. Joe Burrow can't do anything. And then Big Ben is still throwing to Chase Claypool. Like a question like, for you. Their their running game is their short passing game. Yeah. Uh, but then I also wonder, like, is Big Ben in his head going, let me let me try and get into this this MVP race real quick? I've got a question for you guys. And, and th- I'm serious. I, I was thinking about it last night as I'm going through the games. Johnson, Claypool, and Juju, are they the best receiver tandem or not tandem, triplets or whatever, no. trio in the league? Evans, Evans Godwin. Oh, yeah. I would take Kelsey Hill and Player X, whoever happens to be lining up over pretty much any trio. And I would take a healthy Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Because when I watched them yesterday and I see Antonio Brown getting up to speed, the first thing I kept right, like I wrote it down like five times in my notes yesterday. If the Bucks are healthy and they're, eight, because what the Bucks did yesterday, not to ambush your, your question right here, they moved their starting center, Ryan Jensen, to guard, and they mm-hmm. brought in AQ Shipley, which is a guy that has a lot of experience for Arians. And so if what, the number one thing that we talked about is if they could protect Tom Brady's face, what I saw out of Antonio Brown yesterday and like the, uh, uh, Ronald Jones running for damn near 200 yards. He went off. The Bucks every, every they'll, they'll suffer a loss. But then you look and you go, shit, they're seven and three, and Drew Brees has a ribs and rib injury. So, like, I got really high on the Buccaneers yesterday. You know, the reason I asked about the Steelers because I, I, I get this feeling that Ben has figured things out. Obviously, later on in his career, he's he can't move. We saw him try to run yesterday. It yeah. did not look pretty. 
But I mean, he just he just has a knack for finding guys wide open. Of course, they're playing the Bengals, and they're not a good defensive football team. But those three guys, I'm talking about speed. You got speed. You got yes. size. You have the ability to make the plays, and you got a quarterback that's willing to stand in the pocket and throw the ball deep. Um, I, I, I would I would consider them one of the best, top I think, four or five in the league. And I think I think what you're saying when you say that you're really talking about my man Claypool, like. Well, yeah, he's 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 he's, he's the legit. difference maker because there's a, I feel like there's a lot of Deontay Johnsons, yeah, uh, but I feel like there's only a few Chase Claypools. But well, there's not a there's not a lot of guys that that have that size, got have that speed, and want to physically dominate you. Mm. DK Metcalf comes to mind, but Claypool certainly wants to dominate you every time he touches the ball. How much of the Seahawks game did you see, and did Russell Wilson look as weird to you as he looked to me the entire game? He's pressing. He's, I mean, he's pressing, and that's what happens. I, I'm so confused. Like, I, I, Westbrook, I wrote down yesterday, is Russell Wilson trying to throw this game? Does he have money on Rams plus two and a half? And I'm not saying <laughs> – like, <did>. I, <laughs> Nice. My, my real belief is, like, it wasn't the interceptions. It's, it's third and eleven. And you're taking a three-step drop and dumping it off to the running back. And I'm just wondering, like, you're giving up. Like, it's not even the interceptions that caught my eye. It was the mm -hmm. amount of times that he just threw it underneath. And I don't know if it was Aaron Donald and, like, he was just under pressure the entire time because he did seem to be under pressure. Or if he's – I don't know what the hell was going on, but that wasn't Russell Wilson on Sunday. Well, what are, what are the Seagulls? I mean, Seagulls. What are the Seahawks? What are they? They're a running football team. Then play action for the most part. And obviously we've all wanted them to open the offense up. And obviously that's why you get Metcalf down the field, Tyler, Tyler Lockett down the field. But yesterday they didn't have the run game to get going. They didn't have that to lean on. And now Russ understanding what's going on. He's saying, okay, we know our defense can't stop anything. Literally, we can't stop anything. So we got to score. We got to outscore people. And that's never been Russ's mindset. He's never been the guy that you said, I want you to just go score 30 points. He's always been the guy. We you want you to win you 20 to tired? 17. You think he's tired from no, doing it I right think now? He's, I think he's trying to do too much. And, and as good as a quarterback as he is, without the proper weapons in the run game, without the protection that he needs, even Russell Wilson, the MVP candidate up until the last couple of weeks, is trying to, who is trying to do too much, makes mistakes. And the interception yesterday, two interceptions yesterday, are just unforgivable against a team that has, again, you talk about that pressure in Brady's face, that hurts you, and that makes your eyes come down. And you wonder why they throw the, the three-yard route when it's third and 10, mm -hmm. third and 11, because you don't want to get hit in the mouth again. That's what happens to quarterbacks when you try to do too much and you don't have the protection that you need. Let me uh, – You don't, I, I want to talk positively about one team. Uh, the Rams showed me a lot yesterday. Uh, the, this is the second or third time this season where I feel like people have written off the Rams and they've come back in a big way. Uh, I think I think Goff has two or three quarters every game where he looks very accurate. Mm -hmm. I thought that what they're doing right now at their running backs is very reminiscent to bring it back to the Giants of that three-headed monster. And it's very even, but I have faith in all of them. Malcolm Brown around the goal line is a battering ram. Uh, Hender runs Henderson runs really hard. And Akers legit has juice. Yep. Um, so I thought the Rams – and then for Jalen Ramsey – 
to really be able to, and, and for him to come out after the game and say, you know, DK Metcalf is really an undeniable talent. And he said, I honestly can't wait to go up against him for a decade, which I get so juiced when I hear guys openly welcome competition like that. But I watched DK and, and I felt like there were times where DK was wide open and Russ, because of the coverage all game, wasn't even looking at him. And that's mm-hmm. a testament to Jalen Ramsey, but very impressed with the Rams. Well, well, think about this, and, and sorry to cut you off, David. You know, Metcalf didn't really have a target until until one minute left in the third quarter. That's because Ramsey was all over him. And, and to your point, if you're a quarterback and you're looking to the right, you see Metcalf all game long being covered by yes. Ramsey. Or even before the game started, you're saying, okay, if I got an option to go to Lockett, who's covered by someone else, and yes. I can go to Metcalf covered by Ramsey. I'm going to lock it. That's just the way that you have to think about it. And so now you see the coverage as it goes. You're saying, I want to stay away from there. That's trouble for yes. me, especially for a quarterback that has the mental thought process that I've been turning over over, over the ball like crazy these yeah. last few weeks. Yeah. The one, one more thing before I get to Ingber, so again, I apologize, Ingber, is the Rams are uniquely qualified to defend the Seahawks in this way. The Cardinals tried to spy uh, Metcalf, but they don't have enough guys in the back end to bracket up and really – because Jalen Ramsey allows you to do what the Belichick model is, which is mm-hmm. one guy shuts down your number one option, and then everybody can just go 10 on nine for the rest yep. of the guys. Uh, but the, the Rams are for real, Ingber. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey, this is from Mike Clay on on Twitter. Jalen Ramsey lined up against DK Metcalf on 30 of his 42 routes, right? On those 30 routes, Metcalf only caught two of four targets for 28 yards. So when Jalen Ramsey was going against him, he basically accomplished nothing. But I also want to give credit to the the Rams here because this is a a trend I wasn't super aware of. I guess I vaguely had it as an eye test, but seeing it is pretty eye-opening. Russell Wilson has now lost seven of his last 10 games against the Rams. Wow. In that time... He's 37 and 17 against the rest of the NFC. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I want to say say one thing about Russ that annoyed me is you just said that there were 12 routes where DK Metcalf was not being guarded by Jalen Ramsey. And I was watching that game intently and they really did start to move DK Metcalf around and they started to line him up very tight to the line of scrimmage. And Wilson did not look at him one time. And so that's my issue. That's why I didn't know what was happening with Russell Wilson yesterday is they lined him up in the slot very tight. And I saw him create separation off the line and Wilson didn't even look at him. And, and my thing is, is you need to know where your bread is buttered. And right now you have to find ways to get this guy to the ball. Like, to watch the Niners do it to the Saints in the first drive and they were, they were moving around Ayuk to create mismatches. When they have those mismatches, you have to use them. And he did well, yesterday. Well, here's the other thought. And, and, and I, I agree with what you're saying, and that makes sense. The other, the other side to that is we got Metcalf at 6'3", and Ramsey is a great corner. At some point, I'm just going to say, I want my guy to go make a play for me. I mean, we, what do we have to lose? I, my guy has got me to this point. He catches everything. He can outcompete guys. Ramsey's going to have to go make a great play. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a chance with my guy. And I, I think that if I'm – if I'm Metcalf, that's the one thing that I'm saying to Russell Wilson at halftime. Hey, I, I understand. I look like I'm covered. Give me a chance to go win that, that 50-50, that competition jump ball. And if mm. you give me that opportunity, I'll come down with it. Then you'd be more confident to throw me the ball in the future here. Can you imagine being Contavious Street? It is literally 
you've never had a sack before Mm -hmm. and you're in the Superdome and you're up against Drew Brees and you turn the corner and he is staring you dead in the face and your very first sack in your NFL career is the perfect hit on Drew Brees. You drop him and then he immediately leaves the game. Like that would be like scoring. That would be like U S getting an 80 yard screen pass and like stiff arming Darrell Rivas. And then he's out for the rest of the game. Like, yeah. and now we're sitting here in this Jameis Winston world, which is super interesting, but I just couldn't imagine making my first sack that. Well, before we even get into too far into the game, I, I, I put this out on Twitter yesterday, and I was so upset when I saw it. So I see that play, watching the game, and he gets penalized for that play. Yeah, then he, then he, yep. and, and I'm watching like, well, what do you want the defensive players to do? You go sack the quarterback. Where do you want me to fall at? Because I'm not 100% completely in control of that. Because as an offensive player, hopefully I can roll on my back you know, on my side or something like that, I can actually control that to an extent because I know how to protect myself as a ball carrier. It may be different for the quarterback because you're getting blasted in the face. But, I mean, as a defensive player, if you fall on the quarterback, you get a penalty. What? What is the NFL doing? What do you want me to do as a defensive player? You want me to just push them down? If they think that you hit the quarterback hard. Too hard. That's right. Yes. If they're like, ooh, that was a good hit. There was a point, I think it was in the game last night, the Ravens game, where Cam looked like he got hit in the head. I mean, yes, if you're full speed, looked like he got hit in the head. Luckily, the refs got the call right. Yeah, he actually yeah. got hit in the shoulder, yeah. and it looked Humphrey. like he whiplashed. But, I mean, I think they threw a flag on that. I mean, it's just – come on. You're taking, you're taking the protecting the quarterback way too far when you talk about you can't fall on the quarterback. That's just – that's embarrassing. The Saints right now are tied for the lead in the NFC at seven and two. Them and Green mm-hmm. Bay are seven and two. The three teams in the NFC West are six and three. We are now going into a Drew Brees list, seemingly New Orleans Saints team, where we don't know how many games he's going to miss. One, we are getting Jameis Winston, which is crazy. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I feel like this is going to be amazing for fantasy players because when Jameis plays, it's going to be super exciting. Um, he is going up against the Falcons this week and their defense has improved, but they're still not a great defense. Mm -hmm. Then they are going up against the Broncos that just allowed 30 plus to the Raiders and then the Falcons. So in the next three weeks, let's say it's a three week injury. It's two Falcons and a Broncos. Number one, does this help Drew Brees by resting his arm for three weeks and giving him some arm strength? Number two, is there any chance because they're playing this shitty schedule? that Jameis Winston is going to create a quarterback controversy. And number three, (laughs) I just want to hear hear Ingberg go because he looks very excited. So wrong. Jameis makes the NFL more fun. And anyone who tells you otherwise is a silly Buccaneers fan from last year that doesn't know what they're talking about. He makes the league more fun. I told you, I said this earlier this season, I think before this season, that there should be a rule that guys like Jameis, when they become available, they shouldn't be allowed to be backups on one team. There should be like six or 10 teams as a consortium that say like, if any of our guys go down, you get to slot in right away and be the starting quarterback. It's unfair that only one team gets to have Jameis on their bench. He is sitting there. You know who's another good example of that is Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Fitzpatrick. There should be like yes. eight teams right now. Yeah, that those get are to your put, two guys. That get to put Ryan Fitzpatrick in at the drop of a hat. Jameis going in, just getting to spray the ball. I bet there are so many receivers on the Saints right now that are going to catch a ball with more zip this week that are going to go, oh, it's just pounding me in the chest. I forgot what that feels like. And there's he threw be- he threw two balls to Michael Thomas uh, on the goal line that were like piss missiles, and like they came out. And Michael Michael Thomas didn't even look. He just like watched it and was like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> so it was good and bad. It was fast, but it was inaccurate. No, I mean, I love I love Jameis Winston, and I think that that you mentioned a quarterback controversy. It's very easy for fans and for media to talk about it, but you know that the real quarterback controversy is what happens in the locker room when a couple of these guys are looking around each other, like, "Do you see what Jameis just did in practice? Oh man, do you see what Tua just did in practice?" That's when the controversy starts, and I could feel like that would happen this week when he starts taking starters reps. I am completely confused by my best friend David (laughs) mentioning anything like there's going to be a quarterback competition as soon as and I mean as soon as the day that Drew Brees says that his ribs feel good enough to go practice to go play even if it's game day let's say it's Saturday night Drew Brees does not feel good Sunday morning he wakes up and still feels okay he walks to the stadium gets to the stadium and at that point hasn't practiced in a month says that he's ready to play he's the starter right then Drew Brees, the Hall of Famer, always is going to be a star. There's never a quarterback competition with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Ever. You're right. You're right that he is going to be the starter. When I say quarterback controversy, I'm not saying that Sean Payton has to really decide which one it's going to be. I'm saying that there's going to be some rumblings, and that can lead to all sorts of interesting discord in the locker room. You mean the guy that's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league is there's going to be some rumblings to take him out and put the guy that had 30 and 30 last year? In the game, come on. That's that, that's not realistic. I think I've spent more time in NFL locker rooms than you have, Brian. And I'm going to say from experience that I think I know what I'm talking the about. The guys in New Orleans understand what's going on. What they do understand also is this, that they got a linebacker in New Orleans that's one of the best players I've seen in a long time, Demario Davis. I'm talking about he just mm. does some things on the defensive side of the ball that you can't teach his instinctual. He, he, he has just a flair – for getting and being around the ball, making tackles, obviously interceptions, things like that. He just has a knack for just being around the ball, much like Drew Brees has a knack for hitting wide open receivers and not throwing interceptions. Jameis Winston, yeah, that's, that's going to be a problem if Jameis gets continual playing time on the other side of the ball. Oh, my God, I did it. Okay, so if Jameis is able to play three games, this is big. Because again, two of them are the Falcons. And I knew in my little dumb brain that Jameis Winston always plays well in Atlanta. If Jameis plays well in the first game and then goes and beats up on Denver, he goes to Atlanta, where these are the last times in which Jameis has played in Atlanta. 313, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 13-point win. 395, four touchdowns, two interceptions, and a loss. Um, 200, 281, four touchdowns, one interception quarterback rating of 100. All of his quarterback ratings are over a hundred. Mm-hmm. And, and then the very first time he ever played them, he beat them 23 to 30, 177 and one touchdown. Um, this has been of all the possibilities. The most interesting one for me is Jameis Winston in the bubble of Sean Payton. I have been one of those people that have believed you put any quarterback with Sean Payton, 
he's going to find a way to go at least nine and seven. And he's going to find a way to get that guy going because the pieces around him are good. It's arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. The way they draft is consistently great. I'm over there watching Cesar Ruiz starting. The guy they got in like the second or third or fourth round, Zach Bond, the linebackers making huge tackles on special teams. If Jameis Winston is the guy that replaces Drew Brees, I just, I'm going to be the happiest person ever because it just, it's the weirdest odd couple ever. And I really want it Westbrook, but I also know that this is still Drew Brees' team, but Drew Brees has a job with NBC next season. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're looking to see if Jameis Winston is going to get the torch passed. And the fact that Tom Brady passed a Cam Newton and Drew Brees might pass to Jameis Winston. I just love that <laughs> shit. Because it because they're the absolute opposite of what they were supposed to be. Oh, it was supposed to be Garrett Gilbert. Oh, it was supposed to be Jared Stidham. No, it's Newton and Jameis Winston. I just think it could be great. I'm interested to see. And I'm sure that Sean Payton has Jameis in his office right now saying, you do not have to try to win the game with your arm. Get the ball to Kamara. Just make sure he touches it. 20 times a game, throw the ball, take the check down. You don't have to try to win it all, everything with your arm on every throw. That was Jameis's problem there in, in, uh, in uh, Tampa Bay. The other thing is that he's playing with a really good defense, and I know the Tampa Bay defense came on at the end of last season, but their defense down in New Orleans is much better. He doesn't have to try to win it all with his arm. Allow yeah, your team he to can't, work for He you. can't help himself, bro. He had one or two plays in the red zone yesterday where he started rolling around, and he cocked back, and I audibly yelled no, and he took the sack. And I was like, whoa. Well, that's Sean I hope so. I don't That's know. That's Sean man. Payton talking to him. That's exactly uh, who that is. No, uh, no, you mean me? What do you mean? You don't know. You didn't see that the year before. What I, what you haven't I'm seen it any is, other time in his career. That's Sean Payton in his head. What I'm saying is when you're an addict, every day you need to make the conscious decision to bet on yourself and to not go down that path. And what I'm saying is, is Jameis Winston can think, talk in his head all the time. But there will be a moment where he can't control it. And that little voice in Jameis's head goes, throw that damn ball. And he's going to. He's going to say, eat that W, bro. And no. so I believe that Jameis is one of the great sports characters of all time. And this is going to be really bad. I believe that Jameis is going to get to some crazy summit and is going to do the most epic Jameis mess up of all time. And I think that he's just, he's Icarus. He's just going to push the, I don't even know if that's the right character. Dave, is that the one that pushes the rock up to the, to the sun? Um, I believe Icarus flew. Or is that the one that flew? Sun. That's yeah. Icarus. That's what I meant. And he had wings of wax that would melt as he got closer and closer. And that's Jameis. That's Jameis. Jameis can fly. Jameis has wings. But the problem is, is that the man just keeps going to the damn sun. And he's, uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But just he learned. He, so are you telling me that he learned nothing from Drew Brees? He's learned nothing from Sean Payton. Is that what you're telling me? I believe be that he has. I believe that he has. But I believe that at his core, he can't help himself. I don't know about that. There's a lot of people like that. Like who? Give me an example. You mentioned Carson Wentz on this podcast, right? That you said that he had that gunslinger mentality, and no matter what Carson Wentz, said Carson to him, Wentz, Carson Wentz. That's a James terrible Wentz. example because he's never. I, he, he's I never need been a blood cut. test. 
I need a blood test. I believe that Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston are related, and I need a blood test. I believe they are distant cousins, long-lost brothers. They were raised in the same home. They played in daycare when they were together, when they were like one and a half. I believe Jameis and Carson Wentz have the same DNA. And I think that Josh Allen's like their younger brother, and he like learned from them, and he's a little bit better than them in terms of not doing crazy all the time. Well, I tell you, Jameis, you better figure it out because he's fighting for a job. I mean, that, that he, right now he's auditioning for his job for next year. Allow the turnovers to flow and, and see what, where, you're, where you're at next year. You won't be the quarterback in the New Orleans Saints. Westbrook, if I, was a, if I brought you in mm-hmm. into the beautiful offices of the Baltimore Ravens, and we said, Brian Westbrook, hey, man, listen, you've been on the Left Go show now for two seasons, and damn near everyone that goes on that show gets a really big job, uh, including Aqib Tlaib, who came on the podcast and then was on Fox. I don't know how that happened. Visibility, crazy. Uh, but Brian Westbrook, you clearly have a big brain. <laughs> what do you think we should do long-term with Lamar Jackson? Because Mahomes just signed the biggest contract ever, Lamar won MVP. He's going to want a new contract next year. But we're a little bit confused. What do you think we should do? I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I think um, John Harbaugh's future as a coach there is absolutely tied to Lamar Jackson. And that's good or bad. And that means how good... Can you get Lamar Jackson? Can you put enough weapons around him? That, that's the question. Can you put enough outside weapons around him to make him better? Because that argument we're falls not getting rid of him. But that we're not argument, getting rid of him. That argument falls hollow on me because all people talked about last year was how they surrounded him with the perfect weapons, and it's the same team. What perfect so this weapons? Whole, who said that? Who said that the weapons are perfect? Mark Andrews? The motherfuckers that were like, Mark Andrews is a top three tight end. Hollywood Brown put on 15. Remember that story? Hollywood Brown put on Listen 15 pounds of weight well, to take over the NFL. That's listening to the wrong people. There's they got Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. They Those got are four tight backs. ends. Those are running backs. Tight ends are tight ends. I'm talking about wide receivers. There's nobody that thinks that Hollywood Brown is the top tier wide receiver right now. He's not. He's a good player. He's not a top-tier wide receiver. Let's put him around. around. I mean, let's go look at all the off-season articles. Let's go look at all the off-season articles. They're all wrong. Tell Okay, here here we go. Tell me which one of these guys you would trade uh, uh, to get, that that you would keep if one of these other big-time receivers came available. Which one of these guys are you keeping? None of them. You're getting rid of them immediately. Why do you go get Des Bryant? who hasn't played in a couple years because you don't have outside weapons. That's what you have to do to, if you're talking about keeping Lamar Jackson. Because you know here, here's the thing. You may not have 10 years with him. You got a few more years left. Hopefully he continues to get better. He becomes a better pocket passer. But at that point, you have to have outside receivers to help him because the guys who they have right now are not – Willie Sneed's a good player. Hollywood Brown's a good player. They're just good. We're talking about elite level. You need that because a quarterback is going to struggle at times throwing the football. And, I, and I'll say this uh, to former Patriots fan David Ingber, I think he'd agree. Lamar had a bunch of Patriots fan. Lamar Jackson had four or five throws last night against the Patriots where it hit the receivers right in the hands and it yeah. was just a down, torrential downpour. And I was going, does Lamar Jackson throw the ball better in the rain? Because all of these fucking balls are on the money right now. 
I also think that I'm definitely down on Lamar as everybody is. How can you not be? He just doesn't look right. And I agree with you that the weapons aren't there. I just think it's funny that last year everything was perfect. The offensive coordinator was a genius. The weapons were great. Now the offensive coordinator is an idiot. And the, and the, the weapons are catch not up with you. But my thing is this. Every single year, the team that loses or that, that has a big year or they lose in the Super Bowl, they fall off. And they had no injuries last year. They don't have a left tackle right now. They've lost all their tight ends, including Hayden Hurst that went to the Falcons. Like they didn't really add, they added JK Dobbins, but I I do think you're right. They don't have that reliable receiver for him. And I guess that was supposed to be Mark Andrews. And well, Mark Andrews is going to be a tight end, but, and, and number one, they're not as dominant on the defensive side of the ball. When you're as dominant as they were last year, you can afford for Lamar to struggle at times offensively because, you know what, we can just take the ball away from him defensively or stop the other team. They're not as dominant, especially without Calais Campbell on the defensive side of the ball. So now Lamar has to be better. And there are just times where he just has not been very good this season. Yeah, and Brandon again, Williams missed half that game last night too. Their nose tackle. Absolutely. Big and you time wonder why the Patriots ran all over him, you know? Up and down the field. And it was just hard to, to get a stop. They lost their pat. You know, the one thing that Calais Campbell does, he brings that energy, but he brings that attitude. It's a nasty physical attitude. We didn't see that yesterday from the, from the Ravens on the offensive side or the defensive side. We didn't see a nasty physical attitude. And maybe it was the weather. That rain brings out a different feel for everyone. But if you're getting punched in the mouth by Burkhead and Harrison, then then at that point, um, it, it's just hard for you to win that way. And they got beat up. They got beat up yesterday. Let's let's start to wrap. Uh, it's going to be a tighter podcast today. Love you guys. Um, I'm going to say a team, and you tell me. Let's get a let's get a three person vote. Do you think they're capable of winning the Super Bowl? Just an update, and and again, uh, we're going to be higher on certain teams because they won yesterday, and we're going to be down on other teams. Let's start off in the AFC. The Pittsburgh Steelers, are they capable of winning the Super Bowl? Say aye. 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 Okay. Three eyes. Kansas City Chiefs, say aye. Three, two, one. Aye. Aye. Okay. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, three, two, one. Aye. One eye, just Ingber. Wow. I, I said this before about Josh Allen. In order to win the Super Bowl, we've seen it with Nick Foles. We almost saw it with Colin Kaepernick. We saw it with Joe Flacco in 2012. You need three or four big weeks from a superstar quarterback. And you don't think Josh Allen can deliver you three or four big weeks? Absolutely he can. They have been like neck and neck against the Rams, against the Cardinals. These are like really good teams that they've been able to play. And we'll see how they do against the Dolphins coming up. I really think they're like the cream of the crop. And Josh Allen, his highs are very high, just like Jameis. You know, his highs can be extremely high. So can they win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Just like Jameis, he has issues turning the ball over. Turning the ball over will get you out of winning football games in the playoffs and certainly in the Super Bowl. He has turnover issues. That's going to be a problem. I'm just, I'm looking at it right now. And here's what scares me about the Bills. They're 4-0 in their division. They played the Jets and Dolphins when they have quarterbacks that were playing that aren't playing now. Uh, They beat the Rams early, but it was very scary where they let up the 31 points and all that stuff. And then they went to the Raiders and won. Their losses, they got blown out by Tennessee by 20 
six points. I forgot about that. They lost to the Chiefs in a game where they put up 17 and they lose that game to Arizona. Um, they have a very big buy right now. But I, I look at Buffalo and their run down the stretch is going to be tough. It's the Chargers and Herbert. It's at the Niners. It's the Steelers at home. And they saw the Patriots. And then that week 17 game against Tua. Man, that's going to be awesome if that's what the division comes down to. But I, I agree with what Ingber's saying. They have all the pieces. I just, I feel, I don't know. There's something defensively that they're missing. That's that's my issue more than anything. Um, you think offensively they have the firepower to score with some of the best teams in AFC, Pittsburgh, as well as uh, the Chiefs. You think that? I think without that the turning thing, the ball over, I mean that that's a big issue. Yeah, I think the thing that 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 I that I want to figure out is I think Singletary is one of their better uh, athletes with Zach Moss, and so um, they don't really have a tight end and they don't really have a number two. So I'm kind of going, how do you get Singletary on the on the field more? Because like Cole Beasley is good, but John Brown got hurt yesterday, and he's mm-hmm. just so I, I'm I'm worried about a number two weapon. Other than Stefan Diggs, because the really good teams are just like the Steelers match up so well with Josh Allen that he's going to have to be exceptional. But as Ingber was saying, he has moments where he's exceptional. Let's make these quick in the AFC. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, raise your hand if you think that they can win the Super Bowl. Three, two, one. No hands raised. Las Vegas Raiders. Three, two, one. I like the Raiders. Are I put so a half hand up. I put a half hand up. I put They're a half playing hand so much up. better. They're also doing this now for like the fifth week in a row without their offensive line. Yeah. And so I'm just going, man, when that Josh Jacobs pound like pound train comes in and they got yeah. Devontae Booker, but their defense stinks. Um, Miami, three, two, one. Ingber with the defiant yes. Go for it. Give me your reasoning. I, I, I think we're seeing the ascension of Tua. I think he is a fantastic first-round draft pick. I think the Dolphins fans could not be more excited about who they got with Tua. I mean, coming in after just six weeks, there was talk that he would sit this entire season and then start in 2021. Here he is, and within two weeks, he has like grabbed this division by the you know the you know what's. And I feel like the Bills feel them coming. They're like, oh god, the Dolphins are locked in right now, and Tua gives them clearly a higher ceiling than Ryan. It is crazy. It is crazy that they've beaten now. Rams, Cardinals, Chargers. In a row. Are, are we answering the same question here? No, we're not. Oh, are we so Westbrook, about, go for it. We, are we question, talking about teams that qu- have the possibility of winning the Super Bowl? Yes, or are we just saying teams that are getting better? The Bills are getting better. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. They play well. They, they, they were certainly in a position to win the game yesterday. Uh, Josh Allen is getting better. The Miami Dolphins, certainly competitive. They're getting better. Two is still young quarterback. Are either one of those teams realistically going to win the Super Bowl? You know what? Let's meet back here. Not. Let's be no. back here in a few months when the Bills and Dolphins have both won the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, I, I, I think I think the question that I have for the Dolphins is: Is this sustainable? And I don't think it is. I do not believe that uh, defensive touchdowns and special team touchdowns are sustainable. It's like proven. Uh, and so my thing is 
number one, you've answered the most important question, which is, can you build a team around the quarterback that you took at five? And I think the answer is yes. And I think what I'm seeing out of the Dolphins that excites me is a concerted game plan that uses the best of his abilities. It is play action rollouts, but it's also a pounding running game and mm-hmm. relying on a strong defensive line. This is what the, this is what the Niners have done. So I think that you have the pieces there, but with only Devontae Parker, I just, they're not a team that's making a run this year, but I'm very excited for Dolphins fans. Baltimore, do you think Baltimore can win the Super Bowl? Three, two, one. How about that? I, I will say this I'm halfway in on a Baltimore, and, and I'll tell you why. I think their defense can ramp, ramp it up. I think their defense is good enough to win your Super Bowl, especially get some turnovers. There, there are times where they need motivation to get going. I see it sometimes with Marcus Peters the most. He just needs someone to smack him in the face or talk trash to oh. him just to get him going. He, at, the, at times, that defense needs that. Um, offensively, they can present problems. And because of the ability of Lamar Jackson, same way, if the game falls right, meaning yeah. if the defense is getting turnovers and stops and the offense can kind of figure things out, they can actually take a, a playoff game and go into the Super Bowl and win it. Two other teams in the AFC that are 6-3, and three, Cleveland and Tennessee. Either of them, Westbrook, Cleveland gets the win over Houston. Nick Chubb is back, and he looks like a monster. Uh, And Tennessee, uh, they go out there, and they lose to Indy. Um, And Derrick Henry is pretty much – I don't see Super Bowl in either of their futures. No, I don't see either one of those guys, no. Uh, NFC, the two teams that are 7-2, and Green Bay, New Orleans – I say yes to both of those teams. Mm. And, and the reason why Green Bay, obviously, your quarterback can get super hot, and their defense is streaky. There are times where they look like a, a, de- a decent defense. They're they can attack the me, quarterback. Man. Then there's other times where they just look average at best. New Orleans, of course, their defense is good. And if Drew Brees gets this rest that he's going to get with these rib, or this rib injury, he comes back a little bit healthier uh, with some zip on the football at the end of the season. Rams got a huge win, bigger loss yesterday, losing Andrew Whitworth, their left tackle. Uh, For me, I feel the same way about the Ravens as I do about the Rams. They're going to beat some teams. They're going to muddy it up. But when you lose your left tackle, I write you off from the Super Bowl. I just don't think that losing a left tackle that is that reliable makes it He's not done for the season, though, right? We had a PCL and MCL. I I thought they put him on IR with the potential of coming back. Is, that, would be big. That? that would be big. That would be something to watch. But I just. Yeah, I mean, he's got seven weeks left in the regular season. So, I mean, even with those entries, Dude, he's like big guys come back after old. that. I know. I know. I know. I, I, I bet we see him again this season. I'm really doing this all to just kind of go. I think the teams that can make the Super Bowl in the NFC are Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and the Saints. It's only three. You think it's those three? So you're not yeah. you're not putting Seattle in now? You're going to write them off that quickly? I've Their been frustrated was- the way that they play defense, and obviously the turnovers have been a big issue. Does does Rush just shut the turnovers off at some point? I mean, if he can, then they got a chance. But again, that defense is an issue. All those other three teams: Green Bay defense can ratchet it up. the The Saints defense is good, and the Bucks defense is good as well. I think that as we wrap up the show that we are going to witness on Thursday 
one of the best games we're ever going to see. Seattle, Arizona, Thursday night. Number one, we got a preview of this on a few Sunday nights ago. It went to overtime. Kyler Murray out Russell Wilson to Russell Wilson. They won 37-34. This is, I just want to paint this picture really quickly. This is Kyler Murray after a seminal moment of his career, a clip that will be played at his Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. On a short week at home against Russell Wilson in the midst of an MVP race in which he is being doubted by everybody and now must turn it on. I believe that Thursday's game between Arizona and Seattle will be one of the most incredible Thursday night games you will ever see in your entire life, and I cannot wait. Oh. I think that's. I think it's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, Kyler's been playing out of his mind. Russell Wilson has to figure it out. I mean, he's too good to be in a situation where he's in this type of turnover slump. He has to figure it out. And and I also want to see the matchup: Patrick Peterson versus DK Metcalf. I want to see what happens. DK is coming off a down game. Patrick Peterson had some couple big plays in last this past weekend yesterday, but he also got beat a bunch. Mm. I want to see how that, that that turns out. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, Westbrook, you are the man for Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. Now, listen, this is important. I um, went into the snack drawer today, and I grabbed what I thought was the regular M&Ms. Oh. And I didn't look at them. I opened them up, threw them in the mouth, chewing them up, and they were actually the peanut M&Ms. Wow. One of the worst experiences of my life. Almost as bad as eating a uh, Reese's cup. What? Never do that. Always check your candy. Peanuts and candy don't go together. The same way that peanut butter and chocolate do not belong in the same grouping. Jeez. Enjoy your week. Man, uh, one of the worst takes ever for David Ingber. Today I learned that Brian Westbrook can't tell a yellow package of peanut M&Ms from a brown package of standard M&Ms. That's just new information. I didn't look. I didn't look. Uh, and then I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man. Hey, Westbrook, why couldn't the pony sing a lullaby? Why? She was a little horse. All right, everybody. <laughs> Love you. Peace.